You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. To another episode of Speaking Duck on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. I'd like to welcome my guest today. He is a three-star Michelin chef of Bow Innovation in Hong Kong and Shanghai, and more recently, co-owner of R&D at 241 Spadina here in Toronto. R&D stands for Rebel and Demon, and I am with the Demon Chef himself and Judge of MasterChef Canada, Alvin Lung. Welcome, Alvin. Wow, Alex, that's, uh, you remember all that with a piece of paper. <laughs> so you're currently in Toronto. Uh, you, you were raised here, but you still call it your second home between here and, say, Hong Kong, where Bow Innovation is, your three-star Michelin restaurant. Are you currently gearing up for season five of MasterChef Canada? What else are you working on filming-wise? I, you know, right now we are doing season five. And what else am I working on? There's a, there's a, I mean, there's a lot I'm working on, but... You in terms of restaurants, in terms of oh, filming, terms filming, of filming. Um, you know, I, I've been filming uh, another series called Soul. So I did Soul Extreme, Soul Refined. I just finished shooting Soul at home. Get all these puns. Yeah, <laughs> so at home before I came into uh, Toronto to uh, to do season five. So, and afterwards, I have another show uh, that's going to be more of a travel show or, uh, for in, in Southeast Asia and China. So uh, that will be the next one. I, this, we haven't got a name for that yet. This is not your uh, first rodeo, as they say. I mean, you did the Maverick Chef, you know, in the early two thousands. Uh, sorry, in the early two thousand. 10s you basically went all around southeast southeast asia jakarta and and seoul you've been there before what was it like shooting the maverick chef now almost 10 years later and you're back in seoul back and working in one of my favorite countries in the world south korea well you know if you watch all the episodes i didn't do so back then but that's <laughs> but uh, i did do uh indonesia I did Malaysia, I did Singapore, I did Hong Kong, I did Thailand, and I did Taiwan. Okay, those were the original six I did. Uh, but the concept is still the same. The concept is exactly the same. I go around, I visited the, the city, have a good time, eat, discover, and recreate. Okay. Um, and what was the question again? Well, what was your favorite city out of those six that when you did the Maverick Chef? Um, I like the food wise. I like Taiwan a lot, but you know, I always love Singapore. You know, Singapore to me, uh, you know, I just like things to be regular. You know, I mean, they call me the Demon Chef, but you know, surprisingly, I'm you know, I, you know, I'm really quite a boring person. You know, I, I I'm a creature of habit, and, and I like things to be regular. And you know, Singapore seems to provide that. You know. Other than that, you know, it's really exciting over, over, you know, uh, Southeast Asia, you know, and it's getting very popular now. A lot of people from Toronto are, are starting to go to all these places. Uh, you know, I see a lot of fans. Every time I go there, I see a lot of fans. I see a lot of 
Torontonians, wow. you know. So uh, we do love Taiwan. Torontonians love Taiwanese food. We we seem to have a big connection to Taiwan and Seoul as well. South Korea. A yes. lot of Canadians love South Korea. Yes, yes. Well, there's a there's a very large Korean population in Toronto. Oh yes, oh okay. yes. So I guess you know, and Canadians are lucky. I mean, Torontonians are lucky because I think you know they said ah you know for food you go to Montreal. Some people say you go to Montreal. I said no, 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 no. Because in Toronto, you have a lot of, you know, you, you have a huge variety of ethnic food. You know, you have Korean, Chinese, okay? And then you always had the Jewish deli. You had Italian, you know, you have French. You have, you know, you have Ukrainian, you have Indian, you know, just, just to name a few, Mexican. So, you know, the variety is much bigger in Toronto, uh, okay? I mean, there's argument which city has the best Chinese food and, you know, some say Vancouver, some say Toronto, but who cares, okay? Toronto has great Chinese restaurant. Who cares who's the best, okay? It doesn't matter. You know, you don't need to go to the best every day. You know, those are, you know, you you know. I mean, we just need good quality. And sometimes, you know, uh, people don't realize this. When I go to South Korea, uh, sorry, when I go to Toronto, South Korean village, and I go and I take my friends for dinner, and I say, well, what are you craving for? Do you want to go to Tofu House for their tofu? Do you want to go to Buk Cheng Dong for their soup? Yeah. You know, do you want to go to Duru A for their barbecue? You got to kind of know what a city offers in the sense that there's so much option in Korean alone and all these ethnic foods like if you're going for Jamaican food you want oxtail you go to this place you want jerk chicken you go to this place and Toronto can facilitate all these different locations all throughout the city that's right that's right and you know whenever I come to Toronto you know I, I'm never short of choices of places I go for you know there's always something new and something exciting and it's always great to go back to, to places I always go back I you know places when I went uh, to when, as a child you know <laughs> you know when I was growing up here as a, as a, as a teenager uh, and then, yeah, you know we immigrated here in 1965 as a uh, as a lad of uh, of four mm-hmm. so uh, when born I was in England born in England you know and then we family moved back to Hong Kong and then 65 we immigrated to Toronto and uh, I actually believe it or not saw witness the Leaf win the Stanley Cup and you know 1967 of, yeah, that's right well they won the 66 they won oh, two 66. years they, okay, won, yeah. they won two years in a row they won two years you, in were, a row. you remember that what's yes. it like being yeah. a Chinese immigrant or like an English Chinese immigrant and like hockey is not your first language <laughs> well you know hockey is may not be my first language but I think I learned hockey before I learned English <laughs> okay uh, you know you come here as a kid and you, you first of all, you, you you see these sports. You see snow for the first time, okay? And and you 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 skate for the first time. These are very very exciting. You, you know, like okay, I came from Hong Kong, so you know at that time, you know, it was either football or table tennis, okay? So you come to Canada, you see hockey, and then you know a lot of people will think that most of the immigrants they come here and they see this is foreign. You know what the hell these guys are doing, going a hundred miles an hour and trying to bump each other off. Yeah. But as a child it's something very exciting and we pick it up very very quickly and the same you can say about food nowadays you know back in the old days you know nobody ate chicken wings 66 i remember a dime will buy you a bag so big you can probably stuff yourself for a month it was throwaway food that's right and and chicken feet 
Okay, and to be quite honest, I think it's our two people, the Jews and Chinese. Are <laughs> the chicken wings and the chicken feet. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're, fi- we're fighting for that. Totally. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, you know, back then, fish, oh, God, you know, you got to fry it. And, uh, nowadays, you know, people, oh, sushi, raw fish back in 66. Are you kidding? Are you nuts? <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, they they wouldn't eat, they wouldn't eat a fish back then unless it's in the can practically. So um, it's really good to see that youngsters nowadays, they have a lot more choices. And to me, at those days, it was it was hockey. It was not food. But, you know, it's, it's very, very surprising how people you would think would cannot adapt really adapt and take a liking of things very very quickly maybe there's some deep rooted inspiration for your blue demon hair for the toronto maple leafs when you first moved to canada <laughs> i can tell you blue was always my favorite color there you and, go you know i'm huge huge leaf fan okay? hey uh, i collect cocky cards and you know i spent you won't believe the amount of money i have uh you know i have spent to get rookie cards uh and sign rookie cards and you know uh so you know toronto means a lot to me you know whenever i come back you say home you say home what is your real home is this you know habitat you know what is home is this a a, a, you know people say you know you take a definition of home is this your you know you is this the, the the roof and the four walls that's surrounding you or is this a location that you feel the most comfortable a place where you crave a place you always think of and i must say you know having stayed in london for a brief period of time for you know i I was there for five years and i still travel to london quite a bit i I have a house there too oh wow uh and hong kong where you know i officially reside and toronto i i would say that i am the most comfortable for toronto come on crave for toronto i don't crave for the winter but you know i do love the people here Uh, you know I, i i love what's going on here you know because i think i spent uh i wouldn't say I, you know, to be quite honest, I haven't spent most of my life here. Okay, most of my life I've been spent in Hong Kong, but I spent a very critical part of my life in Toronto, and I think it's embedded to me a lot of good memories and fondness, a craving for Toronto. Are there any Asian cities that you frequent that remind you of Toronto? Uh, or vice versa? Any you know, that's, that's a very good question because, well, let me ask you, you know, you have traveled a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah. Alex, you have traveled a lot. Is there any Asian city that, you know, reminds you of Toronto? Well, I've only been to Seoul, to believe it or not. I'm actually planning a trip to go to Japan next year. Uh, but Seoul definitely has parts of Toronto very similar. You know, a lot of interesting street activity. A lot of people out when the weather is beautiful. A lot of communal eating. I feel like Toronto is a very communal dining city. City, not a lot of single diners. Yeah. Very small groups are usually dates in Toronto. Toronto, it's like an event to go out for dinner. And Seoul, it's an event to go out for dinner. And just like Seoul, it's an event to stay at home and cook for your family. Toronto's the same as what, that, what, that way as well. So when I went to Seoul, I, I felt a lot of similarities. But I always tell people, Toronto reminds me like uh, New York City and Amsterdam had a baby. And then you'll get, New, and you'll get Toronto. Well, uh, you know, in that sense, I do agree. 
agree with you because you know uh, you know i was thinking of more like the the real estate or more of the you know more more of the i don't know more of the weather and all that but you know so and toronto are very you know in terms of latitude you know they're very similar yes the that's right weather that's the, right the weather is very similar you know and you have fantastic products in seoul especially oh, yes. fruits apple you know some of the best uh fuji apple i've ever eaten was in seoul Okay, and they grow ginseng there. Really? And, and guess what? In Toronto, you know, they grow ginseng, they grow ginseng here. That's and, right. And, and, and Toronto have, you know, they're in Toronto, you know, they're always famous for, you know, they're the fruit belt. They're famous for the apples. And, you know, they're famous for the apples and, and, you, and you have the fruits here, the grapes and in all that near the Niagara, you know, area. So I would say, yeah, I, you know, in that sense, there's a lot of similarity between uh, Toronto and Seoul. Let's go back to, to, to talk about a little bit more about your your filming career right now. We're gearing up for MasterChef Canada season five. Uh, my favorite show about 10 years ago, coming up to 10 years was the Maverick Chef. You also did a lot of travel shows. You've been to Seoul before. You, you've been all over Asia for cooking shows. You were in Singapore for walk stars. And now you're bringing more extreme Chinese to your TV shows. Yes. So what are the, the, what can we look forward to having you on TV more? And you know, MasterChef we see kind of this character that you play but when we see you traveling with food shows we get to see Alvin Lung we get to see who you really are well I I do enjoy very much the the Maverick Chef and it's my favorite it's really my favorite I, I enjoy filming those because I get to create I get to explore and then create so it's a learning experience to begin with and then after that you know you take what you learn and then you create you know in terms of what i do in terms of what i like i can't see you know i can't see anything better than doing that but i can't shoot that all the time because it takes a lot of it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time and energy and, and out of me. So sometimes, you know, when I, I can only do those on and off, on and off between, you know, other shows such as MasterChef where, you know, you use another type of energy, you know, the energy to, to nurture, you know, these uh, home chefs and also to judge <laughs> to judge uh so i enjoy both style of shows um but i can't really and i'm this type of person you know i'll get bored if i if i keep on doing this so, so you know i gotta do this i gotta do a bit of that do a bit of this again and do a bit of that and that, that works that works for me well speaking about doing a little bit of this and that you're finally open and you have finally opened your first Canadian restaurant after three years. So R&D. Yeah. So about three years old now. It's in the heart of Chinatown. Yeah. What was it like opening your first restaurant in Canada after basically being from Canada and then opening restaurants all over the world? And then how did Toronto receive and react to the Rebel and Demon? Well, I mean, you know, this is, I'm only on the Demon side. Yes, okay? you and are. Rebel, of course, that refers to Eric, the uh, first winner of MasterChef Canada, the very first winner. And, you know, I can't take all the credit for R&D because Eric is now, you know, in the beginning, okay, I showed him, I took him on a tour around Asia. So I showed him, you know, the DNAs. You know, I, we always say when you create, you always have to know the DNAs, okay? Because if you don't know the DNA, you're going to create something 
completely different and you get away from recreation you know what i mean you can be taking an apple you create you know a steak that doesn't make sense uh so you know taking you know and spending time with him and teaching him uh and i'm not i'm not talking about teaching him the basic because you know he's a good he's a good cook he's a good cook and now he's a good chef you know he knows the basic and he does it well so basically i took him to see so when you teach somebody okay you don't go at the basic because that takes too long okay you know you're gonna pick somebody you know, this is not the karate kid okay i'm not gonna start <laughs> off with teaching you how to breathe for, for god's sake okay you know like i'll be an old man before <laughs> before you get to the, before you get your black belt but i'm I, but what i want to do is i i taught him how to observe and f how to gather information and how to process all this and you know crank out innovative uh, dishes and this of course is eric chong season one winner of master chef canada who's also an engineer like you his now mentor because you know in my opinion engineers aren't mo aren't the most creative people they are the most logical people which you speak of and it takes that logic first to then move on to the creativity what's it working what's it like working with eric chong who's oh, I, also an engineer uh, i agree with what you said 50 percent. the 50 percent i agree with is engineers are very very logical people okay <laughs> the 50% I don't agree with is engineers are very creative people okay but you don't see it and the way uh, I mean in the old days okay nowadays you see you you, know, you look at the big bang theory okay everybody's saying uh, you know these are all geeks <laughs> and all three of them are engineers and you're saying these are not creative they're boring but you know everybody loved geeks you know in the old days you know we sat in our corner we ate our own lunches <laughs> in the cafeteria we all had lunch box okay and we we discussed you know the theory of relativity or or some or maths well everybody's talking about you know uh, what the Osmond were <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, you know, that's how old I am. I know, 70s references, 60s Okay, I, I, I gave myself a win when I said I saw the lead winner standing up already, but anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, you think about everything that is the offspring or byproducts of engineering. The earphone you're wearing right now, the mic I'm speaking to, the computer you're using right now, that phone, the the uh, mobile phone, or what do you call? What do you call that? You know, I'm smartphone. Not, yeah, smartphone. You know, like uh, you know, I, I I'm an engineer, but I'm not getting you know. I, but I'm not. I tell you one thing. I love to. I think like an engineer, but you know, I don't always act like an engineer. You know, I don't need don't need to you know own the latest model or smartphone and learn exactly you know and and extract every single function of that phone you know for me you know i like the smartphone engine they created it and at the end of the day you know what's wrong with just using it to call someone you know but the last thing you do with a smartphone nowadays is use a telephone that's so right. i don't even know why the hell they call it a smartphone anymore okay because that's not very smart no. <laughs> uh, but engineers are extremely creative because without this creativity you know half the things i see in this place this studio would not have existed this is true okay we take the technology and from that we make it useful that is very creative okay now you have your artists you have your architect you have your poet and you know and you got your lawyers and you know well forget about the lawyers that's right <laughs> <laughs>
And I can see my father turning on his grape when he learns his number one son's a chef. What did your dad do? He's an engineer. No, okay, He's an well, engineer. There you go. There okay. you go. See, my dad's a salesman. I'm a salesman too, but I just do mine through podcasting and interviews. Look, at the end of the day, we all have our use. Okay? That's right. And the world's changing. And the current world's changing rapidly. And what was the damn question again? I always forget. Oh, we were just talking about <laughs> you thought. and Eric Chong being yeah. engineers. You, yeah. you, no, but you nailed engineers it. Engineers are very creative. They are. They, they I are mean, very you creative. prove that. And also, they are very, very logical and practical. And then, you know, the logic works. Because you have all these artists who and architects who, they're very creative. They think of things that cannot happen. That's true. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know, let's say, hey, you know, let's let's make a build. Let's do a building 500 stories high. Okay. That's not going to happen. And then the, the engineer en comes in and says, engineering wait a company, second. Well, first of all, you know, the foundation to support that, you know, you probably have to pile to the center of the earth, you know, and, you know, some, you may have some problems of airplanes hitting it. At, That's you right. Know, uh, so we make things practical. We are practical. I always say an engineer is a practical creator okay and that's a difference between creativity and innovation where did you study engineering was that in toronto or was that in hong kong study in toronto that's what okay. i thought where i studied in toronto you know um u of t i was a student at ut and then i was also a student in england as well okay okay so um uh we come from a ut family my yeah. father and all my brothers we all went to ut very cool so, uh we are um and it's you know, I have no regrets. I think they were, I wanted to be a lawyer when I was young, and I probably would have made a good lawyer. But then, you know, I wanted to save my soul. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> You could talk your way out of anything, Alvin. You'd be a great lawyer. So you have a, an R&D is now in the heart of Chinatown. How has Toronto received uh, R&D? You know, Chinatown has a lot of old school. It's only recently beginning a lot of new school restaurants in there. What's it like opening R&D now three? years in what's well, been received well I mean the fact that we're still there after three years that's I mean, a yeah that's, I that's mean, a that, test I mean that that's a test okay because you know I'm not gonna say who was there before but you know uh, previous location has not been that's you know it's not the greatest location in Toronto Okay, but it's developing. You know, you have a lot of new things moving in there. As you say, you know, there are new restaurants moving in there. So things are getting now beginning to get more exciting there. Uh, of course, we, you know, there's a lot of old school uh, there as well. And, you know, we see them as, as good neighbors. Okay. Let's give a shout out because you grew up here. What are some of your favorite restaurants growing up in Chinatown that are still there? Um, actually, to be very honest, <laughs> none. Wow. You not know. even a single one. You know, Sai Wu. Remember Sai Wu? Yeah. That's gone. Okay. Uh, what about Swatow? Swatow, to be very honest, I left Toronto in 78. And it wasn't Eight. there yet. It wasn't there yet. It was not there yet. You know, you have the old Sun Guang with the Dragon Mall, where that mall used yeah, to be. Yeah. There used to be a restaurant there called Sun Guang. All these restaurants, you know, are gone, you know, and of course, you know, and uh, you know something for nostalgia, uh, you know, sometimes I just, I go to eBay and, and buy the old menus. I just wow. always look at, you know, even Lychee Garden, okay, you know, Lychee Garden. Yeah. 
you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of these restaurants are no longer there. I can name a couple of them, but you know, I'm sure, you know, you don't know them because, you no. know, except Saiwu, because I think Saiwu is probably one of the last one yeah. on Dundas. Yeah. Uh, it's changed, you know, the demographic of, of, of Chinese have changed, okay? That's old Chinatown. The new Chinatown is up in Richmond. Uh, and Markham. Uh, and yeah. Markham, yeah. okay? So, um, it, it's changed. But, you know, it's still a very exciting location, you know, that that part of Toronto to me is very very exciting let's uh, talk more about your origins and talk about where you grew up I, I want to just quickly touch on the fact that your demon chef persona to me it's like a play on the fact that you're really a charmer and you're extremely friendly and a happy person is that kind of where the joke of the demon chef kind of arose like the fact is that you're actually one of the nicest guys ever or was there origin stories that are darker <laughs> that we just all don't really know and, and there are no dark story okay? I didn't think and so there's no, there's no you know marks in my in, in my head or something like that okay or hidden horns okay uh no, better not say horns okay that's <laughs> you say horns on radio i mean uh, as long as you are two, talking okay, to another uh, jew so you okay, know <laughs> but i tell you man uh i'll say one thing i was brought up a anglican okay and you can see both of my peers here have crosses on them. I see that. Okay, you see that. So this is really, you, you say, oh, he's called a demon show. Isn't this, you know, some sort of contradiction? Is this a man of contradiction? Or is this a man of disguise? Or this is a man that you, a mysterious man, okay? And I can tell you to create this image that of mystery is actually a great marketing tool because everybody, you know, wants to discover you, okay? And when they want to discover you, they're going to come and ask you more questions. They're going to pay more attention to you, right? Okay? You know, you get like, you know, can call yourself the demon chef. You know how many girls you can get with that name? <laughs> okay, so we're, uh, we're trying to, to but, find out. Uh, but, you know, uh, the, the origin of demon chef is actually quite boring. Okay, first of all, there is... The demon chef tattoo that's on my right arm. Okay, chu mo. Okay, in Chinese, um, you know they were calling me all kinds. You know when I first started in two thousand and three. Okay, that's when I first bowl came up. Two thousand three. That's you know that's in London. Uh, nope, in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. First restaurant two thousand three, um, and when I came out, I was doing you know you know bad word bad word molecular gastronomy with Chinese food. Sure, no, but sure. nobody was doing that. Well, I that's mean, that's know, where the extreme comes yeah, from. Nobody was doing it. You know, they were doing, you know, Ferran was doing it Spanish food and there was something, there was another movement movement going on in maybe England and then, you know, with the fat duck. And yeah, then, Heston uh, Blumenthal. I always thought you're the Chinese Heston Blumenthal. You you know, what? Yeah, funny yeah. that you mentioned fat duck. What yeah. do you think of that comparison? Um, Can you remind me? I mean, maybe it's the other way around that he's really the, the English uh, Alvin Lung. Uh, but I think you guys are so very similar. Um, you guys have probably met a few times. We have met, and he's a very, very nice guy. Brilliant, very nice person. In fact, you know, most of the um, the chef I met, you know, are are, are very, very nice person. But sometimes in the persona, in the persona, we want right. to create this image that can basically, you know disguise us, protect us, or make us popular. Uh, so why the demon chef? Okay, it's very simple. Why the demon chef? Because they were calling me, you know, when they were calling me, oh, he is the 
lays you know this infant terrible you know or or or, or the uh the the rock and roll chef i mean who wants to be called a rock and roll <laughs> chef what the hell does that mean okay the rock and roll chef. do you even like rock and roll i love rock and roll but you know i don't want to be called a rock and roll i like <laughs> hockey too do you want to be right. called a hockey chef jeez you know it, it doesn't make sense sure it doesn't this name does not in any way describe me i mean okay you, you you know you take on oh rock and roll is is crazy these guys you know uh, th- these guys are i don't know uh, you know what the hell you know what, what, what when you i say rock and roll what do you think of uh, you know metallica ac yeah but what do you think about the persona the person oh, he, the creativity know. what do you think of the creativity of rock and roll mm, what's the creativity not a lot of creativity you got to go to prog rock you got to get more and more you know rock and roll to me is like the beatles yeah then, but then you got to relate that to chefing yeah, sure. okay it's hard. Then it gets hard you know the rock and roll chef it means right. nothing okay and then and then they were calling me you know in hong kong in in, in, in they always love to say oh the god so the god of gambling okay. you know the movie the, you know the god of gambling the god and then the god of cooking and that i definitely do not want to be called no okay first of all it's blasphemy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Coming from an Anglican <laughs> voice. Coming from an Anglican, that's blasphemy. Yeah. So I decided if you guys are all, you know, creating names for me, I must well create one myself. Okay. And I think it's better. So I call myself the Demon Chef. Now, first of all, okay, but that's, you know, as a Anglican boy, you call yourself the Demon Chef. I mean, you know, this is, uh, this is even worse. It's not. It's not. There's nowhere in the Bible or nowhere in any uh, publications or Quran or the Torah. the Torah that says you cannot refer to yourself as a demon. Interesting. Okay. And daemon comes from demon comes from a daemon, which is a Greek word for someone that is playful, free spirited. Okay. It's the, you know, the original meaning of demon has no meaning of sinister or evil it's like a prankster someone who's mischievous but you don't mean anybody any harm yeah and that's exactly what i i do you know i'm playful you know i like to have fun have fun i like to fool you on (laughs) on things and uh and the image is also you know i wouldn't say the persona is not 100 percent inaccurate okay i am kind of like the demonic person i would you know obviously you know i would take things to the limit so if i can somehow find ways to annoy you i will take it to a point (laughs) where you want to hit me okay we'll get to that we'll definitely get to that to see how much of a prankster you really are um you know but i love i like to play have to yeah and but to be quite honest at the end of the day it's playing don't take things so seriously okay because there's no evil intent there's no any any elements of discrimination or hate you know if you if you take all these and just and you if you you know and and the biggest problem right now if if you you know if you call anybody you know you say any slight implication of skin color or or ethnic and people you know like that incident that baseball incident the guy just took his eyes a bit in a big incident in the old days people were doing that all the time now it becomes fucking news 
And, and what does that create? That creates more negativity. Negativity, and this is the biggest problem: political correctness. You know, you know. And the guy, you, you, he was playing. Okay, I don't think he was really. I mean, disrespectful. I didn't find it offensive. I do that all the time. Yeah, I think. It, I think most importantly, the public forum. It, it's tough. You know, when you're when you have millions and millions of people watching you. But in your own personal circles, if your friends and you can crack a joke and everybody's on the same page, then that, those are the friends you keep the closest. I agree. And I agree, you know, you shouldn't set a bad example for a million people. But it should not be on the news either. That's Come right. On, get a bloody life. We have other <laughs> things to talk about. We have other things to talk about. So I want to talk more about your early life, just briefly. You know, you and I both come from a similar background in the sense that we both had not so great chefs as our mothers growing up. Okay. I, I grew up in a Jewish, you not know. Not so great chefs as mother? Come on. <laughs> well, you're, you go on, okay. you, you openly yeah. talk about how your mother wasn't uh, the best chef. Yeah, well, she was not. She was a horrible chef. Yeah, we'll join the a club. horrible cook, okay? <laughs> they tried, though. My mother was an earnest cook, you know, cooked for me and my brother every day. She was always had food on the table, so I love her for that. But every time I'd complain, my mother always said, this is not a restaurant, you know? I cook, you eat, and that's how this works. Yeah, but my mother, basically, she cooked for us every day, and we ate the same thing every day. Wow. You know, I grew up on instant noodles, with some meat or some vegetable, okay? We ate that every day, five days a week for lunch. And then during dinner, we had something else because my father would come and, and save us by cooking something different, okay? And, you know, it, you know, I, 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 there's many I phobia for, for a lot of food stuff, okay? She was not a great cook. She was a horrible cook, okay? Um, you know, the food she cooked was not, to me, palatable you know it's like you know i we used to hate going home for lunch because all oh, you ate the same thing so it made us want i love to eat so it made gave me you know incentive to to cook to learn to cook so you know at a young tender age of probably around 10 i was starting to you know to to cook things for myself and like i'm what? not talking about you know a guy with my personality is not gonna start with an omelet Oh, it's not gonna. I always, always you already knew back then. An omelet, okay? You knew back then. All right. So we got to do an omelet. I got to do it different. Okay. Probably, yeah. You know, and you know, I would take away and just treat it a bit. Okay. And of course, you know, I'm an attention seeker. Okay. And and cooking gives you that because you know when you even when you even can cook you know you can make a half decent creme brulee you know people are, are raving about it and, uh, and all the chicks will will crowd around you and say oh you know please do it please do that for me so you know it is a lot of good in you know and now you even make big money okay you become now the rock star so uh, or the demon chef yeah, and the demon <laughs> chef so it's gonna it's come from it's come a long way when did cooking first kind of make you realize you could like get the attention of girls because obviously we all like women in, in this room you know we're, we're, we like attracting them you know my goal for dating my girlfriend is always get to her heart through her stomach always make sure she's well fed and and if she's upset you feed her if you want to turn her on you feed her you know it's always about the food yes when well, did you first realize I that? think you know women I mean, you can wine dine them, of course. You know, we're in Asia, we're known, we're known for our whining and dining, and let's just buy her, okay? And, you know, but a lot of them really appreciate if you spend the effort and 
make something for them, something simple, you know, a simple dish, even pancakes, okay, that would do it. Uh, for breakfast, uh, the for next bre- morning. The next morning, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, I think it's in a woman's nature to be motherly, and they see that as an act of closeness, okay? That's why, you know, if you can cook, and, and you know, fortunately, there's not a lot of men that can cook well. That's so, true. You know, so we're rare. That's why I know? have a girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> tell me and you are not getting them from our, from our good looks. <laughs> looking at each other. It's true. It's through my cooking. It's yeah, definitely yeah. from my cooking. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, they really appreciate it. And it's rare. It's really, really rare. And they like things that are unique, rare. They like things that show some acts of passion, of caring, and then, you know, know, all that, you know. Give me a tissue here. No. (laughs) (laughs) So growing up in Scarborough, you know, you didn't like to go home for lunch from school to have your mom's cooking. Where would the family go for dinner? Or where were your favorite restaurants or kind of places to eat? Maybe if they don't exist anymore, you know, what were you looking the most forward to? Or I remember as a child, okay, okay, when we first immigrated, my, my mother did not like Western food. Okay. okay. So we generally ate at Chinese restaurants in Toronto at that time. And at that time, you know, they were living in Scarborough, but most of them were on Dundas. Right. Okay. So there was a couple we went to. That unfortunately, they don't exist anymore. And then, you know, that went on for a couple of years. And then, you know, she got adjusted to Chinese food or, or to Western food. Uh, and then we started to eat at, you know, Ponderosa. Hey. <laughs> Ponderosa? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we would, you know, as a treat, we would go to Ponderosa. Of course. We went, I must have been to Ponderosa hundreds of times. And, you know, and I, they, they, you know, they, they were not into, very much into Italian restaurants. So we didn't, we actually went to, you know, I think so the thing about is you go to restaurants and you Go for things that you can't do at home, right? That's the way so to you do know, it. You go to Italian restaurant, you want to, you know, and what, and what, you know, Chinese. We need to go to Italian restaurant. You know, we're not going to be ordering the tortellinis and then and you know the raviolis. You know, we're ordering lasagnas and spaghetti, right? You can do that at home. That's so right. Who are you going to a restaurant? So um, we didn't. I don't recall going to a lot of Italian restaurants. Okay, I don't recall, um, but. You know, we order, we always order our pizza from Hunter's Pizza. That's on Huntingwood and Birchmount. And, and believe me or not, that re- that place is still there after almost fifty years. And you still order from there? I still go there. Wow. I still go there. Um, you a big pizza guy? I love pizza. I love pizza. Um, you know, I can recall doing these things. Of course, at that time in those days, Japanese restaurant was, you know, kind of exotic, you know. Very and, exotic. Very, they still very, are today in a yeah. lot of ways. Well, in not, Toronto. Not with the sushi, okay? Yeah, sushi not, yeah sushi's one sushi's thing. One I'm talking thing. about like a izakaya. Yeah, of course, of course. And, you know, it was very, very boring. We didn't go to any exciting place. And, you know, on very, very special occasions, on birthday and all that, we went to Town and Country. Remember Town and Country, the buffet place? Wow. I I think those are still around. And, and there was one re- French restaurant. I recall one French restaurant as we got older and my father became more established. So, you know, he had, we had more money in the family. We went to a French restaurant called Bumpkin. Oh my God. That's my dad's favorite. Yeah. Have you ever talked to my dad about bumpkins? No. 
It's no. still around. No, it's not. Yes, it is. The I one know. over here in the East End, East it, of Young Street. Is it? I, it I, is still open. They still yeah. serve the same French food. Yeah. Frogs, legs, yeah. escargot. Oh. I kid you not. Yeah. Okay, so a little precursor here. Uh, Alvin happens to smoke cigars with Roscoe. This is not the first time Zane Kaplansky from Kaplansky's Deli also mentioned my father. Because if you know me, my father's not far from me. And you guys smoke uh, at a private cigar place. We'll get into your love of cigars my father growing up only one restaurant mattered to him bumpkins mm. angelo the server there he's yeah. still there the yeah. same servers are still there yeah. it's a still the same french menu yeah. and, and that's amazing that bumpkins played such a role in your well, growing up yeah we went there uh probably once a month wow once a month at least you know scarborough we live in scarborough yeah so you'd come all the way downtown come, for yeah French. once a month we would go to bump you know it's a big and, deal and we would always do the frog leg and the escargot see yeah okay. and it's always still there that. alvin it, you um, listen you and my dad are going yeah, i'm making we, we it definitely happen gotta go there <laughs> yeah. we gotta go there so let's talk you, you and my father met uh, at a cigar club you are a lover of cigars if you watch any episode of the maverick chef every start of every episode is you with your notebook or a cigar or mm. both mm -hmm. you've said in interviews you can smoke up to three a day in cuba you'll easily smoke 10 a day when did your love of cigars start probably around i would say just before 2000 so i've been doing this for 20 years now the difference between cigars and cigarettes is cigar we don't inhale of course, the cigar is much stronger than a cigarette because there's no filter and it's, you know, it's pure raw tobacco. Uh, and you're going for the taste element. And, you know, I enjoy taste. So it's not giving me any other sort of comfort except taste. And that makes it, to me, very enjoyable. You know, it's not addictive. I can, I can show you it's not addictive because, you know, there are times when if I'm not in a country where cigar smoking is is easily i mean nowadays you can't smoke everywhere even right? in hong kong oh even in hong kong okay so you know we have to take places or we have to go to certain people's houses that, you know where we can we can smoke legally or private clubs or, like you and my dad yeah, yeah. and um that's you know um but for me i enjoy the taste so i'm not getting kick i'm not getting any high out of smoking cigar it's it's and also the thing the good thing about smoking a cigar is when you go to a cigar club and cigar lounge you have to sit there for an hour mm -hmm. to relax yeah. okay so we would smoke and we would drink our coffee or teas or we would you know watch television <laughs> you know here you know uh in england it tends to be conversation so the surprising thing is in right. england most of the cigar places i go to don't have a television well yeah my dad and his buddy his divorcee buddies they they love their television they love their hockey yeah. they need their that's a canadian thing too yeah. when it's cold they like to sit in their heated cigar rooms and watch hockey yeah so um and then you know and then you when you sit in the room an hour with a person you tend to start a conversation <laughs> hopefully, okay, hopefully, 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 and I have uh, and I have met a lot of very interesting people with this, you know, habit. Uh, yeah, I would just have met a lot of interesting. I met your dad. Okay, <laughs> he's an interesting uh, person. That's very for sure. interesting. So it's also a, a, a good way of, of meeting a lot of people, and of course, you know, um, you know, La Cigar Smoker must, you know share a lot of other commonality another common 
common interests okay uh, you know uh, so you know when we go into room it's very easy for us to integrate you to know, hang the, out the hang out a bunch of old 60 year old or in your case under 60 year old all the baby boomers hanging yeah. out so are you a partagas guy a cohiba what's your style what are you what are you reaching for, for I, I, I i smoke any, I, I smoke all the brands. Okay. I smoke all the brands. So, you know, I'm not a, a you know, when it comes to cigar or, you, you know, even when I'm cooking, I'm not going to say, uh, you know, like caviar and frog gras. Okay. So, you're naming the big brands. That's you're right. naming the Cahibas and the Patagas. And, you know, they're. Well, I, you know who my father is. Yeah, I know these yeah, brands, yeah, right? They're, they're, you know, and of course, they're, you know, they're, they're brands that are not as high up. That's right. Uh, but I have my favorite. Okay. And my favorite. But, and I. It's more like size, and in this case, size do matter. It does. Uh, Rather than brands, friends yeah. and brands, and and I tend to like the uh, thinner gauge, and I've been you know and and people and I've been smoking this for the last uh, you know twenty years. I prefer the thinner gauge because people think big fat cigars are powerful. They're not. The thinner gauge are more powerful, and I like the power so you know um i tend to smoke thin, thinner gauge so me you know, too actually like panther mm. my dad always has panthers for us yeah when we go to the golf course okay uh yeah thinner is better i don't want to i don't want to be sitting there for three hours no no but thin, no no the point is it's not a matter of time the thin gauge cigars you will also spend maybe longer time because they, they burn a lot slower oh really they burn a lot slower because they are usually wrapped tighter mm. uh, they wrap with you know most cigars are wrapped with seven leaves thin cigars are tell us it's wrapped with five five leaves okay and they're longer but they're harder to wrap because you know there's only five leaves there's uh you know there's more skill involved in wrapping them uh and they're stronger because they're wrapped tighter so we're getting to learn a lot about you you know you're a restaurateur you're on television a lot lately but i want to know more about the normalities about alvin like what's your day-to-day like you know whether you're in hong kong or you're in toronto you know what do you eat on a daily basis what's your go-to breakfast you know are you always eating out do you like to cook at home well i do not like to cook at home because i think most chefs nowadays rarely cook at home because you've been doing this at work all day the last thing you want to do is go home and do it without your staff because then you know what do i do day to day for breakfast you know always starts off with coffee yeah and a cigar yeah <laughs> okay what you're else? a morning cigar guy I'm a morning nice. cigar guy so breakfast cigar coffee what's my favorite breakfast i can tell you well being born in england English fry-ups. Hey. I love English fry-ups. So they're now good old bacon, egg, sausage. Beans. Black pudding, beans, fried toast, grilled tomatoes. That's one. A second favorite breakfast is I Chinese breakfast. And it's not dim sum. It's actually kanji. Hey. Okay? I love a nice, warm bowl of rice porridge. And the donuts. And the donuts. That's my favorite part. <laughs> And, uh, and I thought I hope you're referring to Chinese donuts. Yes, of course, not okay. the Tim Hortons donuts that you dump <laughs> okay, in the con- that, Tim Bits that, that, and that's weird, man. That's weird. Okay, uh, <laughs> now the plain fried dough. The third one is I actually whenever I'm in Singapore or in India, I love a South kind of like a South Indian Sri Lankan breakfast. So that's What's that? do- that's dosa, you okay. know, dal. You know, it's all vegetarian, mm-hmm. and they also do a a kind of I forgot the name of it, but it's a steam. Uh, rice bun which is made with fermented rice and steam it's very light 
very tasty you know i know you know sometimes okay with the english fry up you want something heavy with the uh right. with the kanji you want something warm and with the indian one uh indian breakfast the southern indian okay which is you know dosa and and, and dao you want something that is relatively light and tasty okay and those are my three favorite breakfasts always with a cigar though always of coffee but <laughs> <laughs> and on the occasion a cigar where you know applicable and you know where it's allowed definitely with a cigar well growing up i always watched anthony bourdain's no reservations or whatever show you were on when he was in hong kong in the in the business district and you're basically holding a gigantic cigar telling your staff you know feed my friends i'm just gonna smoke and drink all day long here but the origin of you as a chef you know that presentation that you have of hey i've done all the busy work i've done all the creation now it's time for my staff and and my team to kind of take it to the next level you're known for taking dishes uh and perfecting them and sometimes taking months and months to do so what is one of your favorite dishes that took the long Longest to perfect, and how did you complete a dish? No dish is perfect. Okay, nothing is perfect, and the reason is it's not an attitude. There's no benchmark. That's <laughs> okay. I'm an engineer, so it's not like oh, no dish spiritually, no dish is perfect because you know there's always going to be something better. Okay, you can always say that <laughs> with infinity, but to be quite honest, nothing is perfect. Because first of all, there's no benchmark. And the perfection of a dish, okay, is dependent upon a lot of parameters. You know, what's a perfect steak? Uh, Just a little rare. (laughs) Yeah, to you. Seared really well. Yeah, yeah. And then, then, you know, to someone else, it's, you know. It's medium. It's medium. And to someone else, you know, I want a well done, you know. They're not allowed at my dinner table. (laughs) I'm sorry. I want this well done. So, you know, when something is, first of all, is made with natural ingredients that has different, you know, that is unique. You know, not every, you know, every single cut of beef, you know, is going to be unique. You're working with spices that is, that will have taste, differentials, uh, seasoning, salt, even salt, you know, have different degree of saltiness. So you're working with a lot of parameters that is variable and you're putting it together and you're trying to create something that is perfect, which means it's uniform to one finite standard not possible after taking that okay the standard of perfection is dependent upon some people's opinion which is also subjective so you're telling me there's such a thing as a perfect dish it does not exist but i'm not going to take the attitude of you know you can always improve upon it because you know you get to the point you're not the point is with food you're not going to make everyone happy even water you can't make everyone happy some people want it still some people want it sparkling some people want it cold and some people want it hot you know um so i'm not seeking perfection but i am seeking variations or how dare you say improvement on 
chicken and masa ball soup. Your mother's chicken masa. Oh, she was a horrible cook. No, no, she actually made okay. that very okay. well. That was so one of the dishes how, she did well. So how dare <laughs> you tell people what I'm going to improve on the chicken and masa ball soup. You know, oh, I'm going to make the chicken instead of a, a normal, you know, free-range chicken. I'm using a, a black chicken. Or, you know, instead of using chicken, I'm using a duck. Okay, or the matzo ball. Okay, I'm gonna make it this size, you know, big, medium, small. I want to use, oh, instead of, you know, matzo meal, I want to use, I don't know, rice. Okay, you know, how dare you say you're trying to improve it? On who? On, on you know, you improve it from what? From your perspective. You're improving from whose perspective? Well, of course, you can improve things from my own perspective because I know my standard, right? And I know what I like. So, you know, if I don't like chicken, then I would, I would, I'm going to use pork and make a pork masa ball soup. I don't know how kosher that would be. Okay. And whether <laughs> I'd you, eat that. You'd be serving it in Passover and Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, people always try to say, and I hate using those words, you know, trying to perfect. You, we're not trying to do that. I'm trying to do variations okay and I'm trying to if I see something okay like you know my wardrobe you know she's a lovely person her name is Myra so when you see sees if you're that shape with this hair tone then you know I think this she's trying to speculate that you would look better with a certain tone a certain length of jacket you know you look better on a t-shirt or whatever you know so what i'm trying to do sometimes with food is okay i'm trying to take korean food let's say now i think korean food is going to be sometimes it's very hard to take it to a country that you know let's say you say you know the bibimbap you know the taste profile tends to be very similar hot spicy sweet and then the soups are very bland you know korean soups are extremely bland okay and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create a variation using what I see as a DNA of that particular dish. So the DNA could be the taste profile, it could be the texture profile, or of the ingredients, okay? And then creating something that someone from another background who hasn't eaten this food to appreciate it, to like it. And that's what I like to do. Okay, I am not trying to seek perfection, okay, because it does not exist if you add on all the parameters. So, this is why I say engineers are practical, yes, okay. While your chef will say, I'm trying to make the perfect, you know, dishwater, I'm <laughs> I don't know, whatever, you know, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make the perfect, you know, the perfect uh, frog roll, the perfect beef, no such thing it's all based on experience i guess what you're trying to say you know everybody uh, is going to come to a different one of your restaurants and experience different local food different local ingredients you know there's so much involved in the experience itself perfection is kind of hard to encapsulate in that one moment and like you said you're not striving for perfection you're you know striving for that experience that only can be created with the parameters that you're using that's exactly what I'm trying to do okay I'm trying to create an experience okay so I'm trying to take something and and change the state somehow alter the states of of it to give you a different experience that's where the extreme comes in experience okay? well let's talk about that let's talk about bow I mean I, I bow innovation it would be uh, a waste of my time and yours if we didn't talk about the fact that you're a three-star Michelin chef 
you know, Bow Innovation started in Hong Kong. You eventually opened one in London, uh, but due to a flood or some sort of water leak, you had to close. Um, I, and now this one in Shanghai. In Shanghai, which and then I yeah. got one star. Great. Recently. So that's uh, what does that feel like getting a, a Michelin star, let I alone feel, three? It, it feels good. I mean, there's a lot of controversy nowadays. You know, there was an incident of chef giving back his stars and and all that. And I say, look, man, if you got a, if, if someone gave me a red sweater, I'm not gonna give it back to them. <laughs> you don't like it. <laughs> Good All right. point. And I said, what does that mean? Okay. Should know. have been a blue sweater. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you take it, you take it with grace. Okay. When you're not happy, you still take, you notice I take everything with grace. Okay. And that's what you should be. Okay. Everybody thinks I'm very temperamental. I'm going to react. And I said, look, do the honorable thing and take it with grace. Okay. At the end of the day, you know, if you know that they maybe you didn't get the star you want maybe they gave you one star okay and all that okay you're not happy what does that mean you're going to give it back is that going to improve your situation i don't think so you know i mean it's going to be on the news for five minutes and then people and then other people will say ah you know he's just bitter don't want that so you know at the end of the day you know it is an honor to have three stars but it's also a burden a lot of people say it's burdening because people come to your restaurant with all sorts of expectation maybe they're look, look, looking for you know like crispy white you know soft tablecloth okay with crystals that pings okay when you put your finger on and they're looking and for perfection silver. they're looking for how yeah they're looking for something they can't find that's right so that that <laughs> you know if you are going on a path where people are coming to your place to look for things they can't find i'm telling you that is not going to be a very very smooth path how do you manage their expectations i want to give them something of the unexpected okay i want to exceed their expectation now you can exceed exceed their expectation by giving them something what they don't expect in a positive way now, you can also, you know, you can also, you know, give them something they don't expect in a negative way, but that's not going to help you any. Okay. So you give something they don't expect in a positive way. That means you have exceeded their expectation on certain things. Okay. So when people meet me, you know, the demon chef, they see that, you know, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to be intimidated. You know, I will stop and I'll talk to you. Then their expectation has gone up in a positive way and I'm happy. I'm happy because it makes me happy when I talk to them and also makes them happy. Now, the, the point is, you know, if you go through life making other people happy, okay, that's the easiest thing to do in the world. It's called selfish giving, I call it, Alvin. And nothing makes me happier than making other people happy. So what are some of the highlights currently being served at Bo Hong Kong or Bo Shanghai? Well, Bo Hong Kong or Bo Innovation, it's, not, it's called Bo Innovation because that's a, that's the only place where the name you know Bo Innovation is used. Okay. So that the whole menu is based on Hong Kong. So I've taken the history of Hong Kong. I've taken elements of Hong Kong, and it's not necessarily food. Okay, because you know if you have to base all your creativity, all your creativity have to be based on food. You are restricted. You're limited. So it could be a, a location that inspired me to create a dish. So, you know, the thing about engineers is we have numbers and sequences of which things click together, but it's not always obvious. 
okay so you know you could have you know uh, you know um prime numbers okay and you know you get these one three <laughs> you know and you don't know you know what what is so special about, about these numbers okay they cannot be divided all right so they are there you know and, and it's not the obvious but people will will, will understand now it's, it's more, more important you know like the, the thing about it is a lot of people are very creative except they can't express it to a term where people understand and when people don't understand what you're saying you're not creative you're fucking crazy right I mean, <laughs> you know that's it you know like you, you say oh, I'm, I'm really creative I, I'm, I'm you know I'm using I, I've discovered this new thing about you know I'm saying songs and and people don't like it then it's not very creative and it's very important that you know as an engineer uh, there's so many possibility to create things but you create things that are not useful it gets into a book where the title is things that are creative and not very useful yeah. and the creator is poor <laughs> <laughs> it's a not a big selling book <laughs> okay and um and hong kong is about using hong kong experience uh Shanghai, I didn't want to create the same experience because, you know, the problem with both, the market is very niche. So if you do the whole, if you tend to open the same thing in different cities, they can compete with each other. So both Shanghai is about, I take the eight silo of Chinese cuisine. So this is based on eight city along the coast, going from all the way from, you know, from uh, Sichuan all the way down to Canton, Guangzhou. Wow. So there's eight you know, locations, a, a province of which each province has their own style, their own different taste profiles. And I take all these eight and I use the principle of these and I match it with a cuisine of a certain country. Of course, the first menu is based on French. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So that is another concept. So, wow. you know, in order to, to create this experience, people have to somehow, you gotta get them to understand, okay? I mean, you take somebody to a cricket match, you know what cricket is, right? Of course. Okay, and people then get sit there, watch it, and it takes a whole day, and, they, and the guy can say, what the hell is going on, okay? Uh, you know, is this, are we drinking, watching watching these guys move up and down? <laughs> it's a champagne and strawberry, <laughs> champagne and strawberry and cream, is this, is this about champagne, strawberry, cream? Because if they don't know what the hell is going on, it's not enjoyable. And if you don't understand, it's not enjoyable. And of course, when you take something that is creative or innovative, of course, you are slightly shifting the comfort zone. And now they find it's away from the comfort zone and they don't understand it. So, you know, you're, you're taking two steps backwards. So you got to think of how to shift those things and move it, let them cancel each other somehow, okay, to create something that people will understand and like. Because you're taking very extreme ideas. I mean, Bow Innovations and Extreme Chinese, that's your brand. You know, you're taking things to a whole new level, which ultimately people are going to be confused about. So I, I like your logical engineering approach. Like, yes, we're going to go to the extreme, but it has to be recognizable. You have to feel comfort in this dish. I also, there's another definition of extreme. Extreme is to take something to the limit, okay? And I, 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 I used to symbolize this, so I, I, I described this in terms of a bungee jump. So if you're jumping on a CN Tower, you go, you're jumping, you're bungee jumping onto the ground. If that rope is an inch longer, it's going to be disaster. Yes. So the limit 
is the length of the rope of which you know you're not going to suffer immense pain if not death well, I like okay that. yeah so you want to take them but if you, if you go on a bungee jump and you're on the CN Tower and if you kind of bounce like one millimeter from the ground I mean that's good that, that would be exciting wouldn't it be you very know? limits yeah the <laughs> limits are where we enjoy the most you know pleasure you know so, absolutely so you know it's it's going to limit but not suffering the consequences and not exceeding limit so once you exceed the limit nothing good's gonna happen so this is what i mean by extreme we're taking them to limit so if i take a dish and i pass the point of comprehension it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense okay so you know if, you, if i'm gonna take let's say i i take eskimo food or i take eskimo food and i want to take that to limit you know what well, you know you know unfortunately i never had eskimo food before okay you know what is eskimo food so if i take you know a dry piece of seal okay seal meat okay or, or or whale meat and then i i smoke it and then i dehydrate <laughs> i take the fat you know and who's I, gonna eat and, that and yeah says, you know like how the hell you know who, who the hell is gonna eat that that's right you know, I have no, but if i say oh i take a piece of steak and then you know i do it the same way the eskimo be treating it then at least you understand if you don't understand the whale you at least you understand the steak and this is how you the creative process work for when you want to take fusion and not have confusion. These are very simple ideals around very complex kind of situations because, you know, a three Michelin star restaurant with gastro cooking is going to like molecular cooking is is already going to throw people off. The way that you explain it simply makes it so much more appealing instead of, you know, oh, I'm going to a mad scientist's restaurant and I don't know what this is or I can't recognize it and until I taste it. I want to I want the experience to be extreme like you said, but you're right. That limit is very important. Uh, I want to know what's the next city that you're considering opening up another bow. Um, bow are extremely time consuming. It takes a lot out of me. And, you know, and they're not always successful. You know, London has proven a failure. Uh, you know, I got one star. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I had one star and I had to close because of structural problem. And the thing about, you know, these are very difficult restaurants to control. And then, of course, you know, as I said, you know, the difference between MasterChef and Maverick Chef is MasterChef, we, we, you know, I'm, I'm in a contained environment, okay? And basically, I'm, I'm working on a contained environment. I'm doing things, you know, on a, you know, on a, you know, on, on a routine basis, okay? But with variations of everyday of everyday routines but you know when i do the maverick chef you know i got to now take everyday routines and create spectacular you know experiences out of it and that is not easy no okay and sometimes people are not stupid so being a, if you're making oh i'm making curry ice cream oh i'm making 
you know, um, spaghetti ice cream. And people is going to catch a dominant, it's going to be a common denominator and say, this guy is using the same trick over and over again. So, so sometimes you cannot use the same trick twice, you know, B- because people are going to go from this restaurant, they're going to go to all three of your restaurants. Now, you know, if people want to go to one of your restaurants, I don't care, okay? It's like, you know, you have three wives and they, all three of them don't see each other. I mean, you can have a very good relationship <laughs> as long as, but unfortunately, of all three of them come together you're in deep shit uh, so i'm just saying that this is every single bowl you have to have a unique experience you don't want to use the same trick twice i'm a perfectionist okay so my benchmark is me not anybody else so my benchmark is me okay and you know um and i'm not satisfied until that i have used up all my ability to give somebody you know a different experience so now that you've had all this experience especially opening michelin star restaurants or acquiring stars even losing stars getting back stars if toronto and canada could have michelin stars which restaurants do you think should have them now, you know I'm not going to answer that question. Ah. And if I do answer that question, you know I'm going to find a very innovative way to go around it without, you know, and, you know, being, I would say, friends, you know, being, I wouldn't say politically correct, but, you know, trying to be very, very diplomatic about it. Of course, you know, you have all your favorite restaurants in Toronto, you know, you have the fine dining, you have Canoe, you have, you know, uh, Scarmouche, uh, you have the new one um, you know I, I sorry I, you know I don't really know hey, you're not here that often not that often but uh, hey, you name the good you name yeah, the big ones yeah, okay and then you have and then you're going to say you know are they you know are they going to be the target the classic is it going to be a classic is it going to be innovative you know at the end of the day okay um, there are a lot of candidates in this city and the good thing is there's a lot of different choices uh, in terms of, you know, Michelin, you know, also gives stars for good Chinese restaurants, good Korean restaurants, you know, good Italian. So there is a lot of candidates in Toronto, okay, for a mission there's definitely no short shortage of candidates i mean some city you know there's actually shortages of candidates to put in the guy you know that guy becomes very thin but toronto you know you definitely would not have that problem so i think there are a lot of there are a lot of places in here in here that are that are world class michelin stars aside any favorites that you have to show your I mean, anytime you have like a friend from hong kong visiting toronto where do you take them it depends more it really depends what my the friend likes because all my friends, most of the friends, are, you know, they love to eat. So they would say, hey, show me something very interesting that I cannot find in Hong Kong. Or show me, hey, what is the, what is, what's going on here? You know, what's the latest one? You know, or show me a very successful restaurant. Okay. And sometimes, you know, it, it may not be about the food. It could be the service. It could be the ambiance. Okay. At the end of the day, I want to make it, you know, it's, it's very, I want to make it very clear. The food Nowadays, it's 50% of the experience. It's the experience, okay? Service, ambiance, you know, location. They all matter, unfortunately. So, you know, just because you can create great dishes doesn't mean, you know, you're going to be successful. Um, I, I think, you know, I would 
take them to a variety of places. You know, of course, you know, I always like to take them to, to you know, a fine dining restaurant and they can compare, hey, this is fine dining, this is the extent, or this is what Canadian like, or this is what Canadian refer to as fine dining. It may be different from what's in Hong Kong, they, they, you know, different from what's in France, okay, because, you know, you know, they tend to be a, l- a little bit more stuffy here, they're more casual, but you want to know something? Sometimes, you know, you don't want to be wearing your Sunday's best and, and eating a nice steak, right? You, I, God, you better be, you're better off, you know, sitting in, 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 in you know, the best steak, you know, could be from the grill in your backyard and you're That's sitting true. there with your sweatsuit and sweatpants, you know, drinking a beer and you're enjoying that steak more than going to this fancy restaurant, nice and stuffing, wearing a suit, probably two sizes too small, okay? <laughs> Always two sizes too small. You're struggling to cut this damn thing. You're worried, you know, you worry your date's going to be embarrassed or your wife's going to be embarrassed. <laughs> I don't know. You know, let's stay. Uh, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's ultimately the experience. It's not just about the food. I don't know what the hell the question was. Well, we were just talking about where do you take your friends? Like, what are, like you're in Toronto I would, I would, I would now. Take, where yeah, did you take I, you your know, friends? I usually take them to places of which, what are you looking for? What do they like? Or what do I think they would like? Okay. And to be quite honest, I'm going around in circles. Like, I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> okay. All right. And then we'll, let's move on. Names, let's talk. Okay. Let's finish up this interview because I've had you for a long time. I just want to know a couple more things about you personally. You know, we, we, we know about your food. We know about your upbringing. We know where you're from. What are the things that Alvin likes? Like we talk about how you don't want to be called the rock and roll chef. You do like rock and roll. What's your favorite band? Actually, it's folk music. I like Simon Garfunkel a lot. Hey. <laughs> I like Simon Garfunkel. You know, rock. I like Queen. You know, the old, all the old classics. Favorites, okay, all the classics because I grew up in that era. What's oh. your favorite TV show or movie? What's my favorite TV show? Um, I love detective shows. So Columbo. I know. <laughs> you know, there's a very very. There's a there's a there's a guys that had stayed my place before have always noticed that every in every single one of my home there's a full collection of Columbo there. <laughs> this is the best piece of information <laughs> I've ever heard. Okay, there's so you know <laughs> quiz me on every single episode I can wow. tell you. Um, I love mystery. So Sherlock Holmes, I probably have any Sherlock Holmes that came out of the market, any DVDs from, you know, um, from the old to the new, um, I would have. Um, So I love mysteries. Movies, you know, nowadays, you know, I see so many movies when I'm, I guess I travel so much. That's right, on a plane. On airplanes. Um, You know, I would say whenever I see the sound music, it's still very emotional to wow. me. Because I always, uh, that's the first movie I can recall watching. And, you know, I still, you know, tears still come to my eyes sometime when, I, you know, at the end when, you know, when they escape and the, and the Germans are coming and, and they're all in there, like, you know, the, these Austrian, you know, funny short pants. <laughs> Suspenders. Uh, um, and, you know, other than that, <laughs> and, and and that's unique because only other than that, you know, I just watch all the Marvel and D, whatever Marvel and DC. Okay. Did you grow up with comic books? Did you like comic oh, books? Definitely, definitely a big Batman fan. Yeah. Right? I watch. Well, that's he's a, a detective. Yeah, that's right. It's a Batman watch. Right he's there. the detective of all superheroes. No yeah. wonder why you like him the most. Yeah. It makes sense. One, a couple more things. Uh, is it true that you never tie your shoes? Are you an anti-shoe tire? No, no, no. That's not. 
true. Um, but I am sometimes very lazy, and I do not like to type. Uh, you know, on my uh, uh, to be quite honest, if, look, you can say. You know, I'm known for my shoes. Yes, okay, you are. Show, That's okay? why I bring this up. And they are lace-ups. And no, no, I do, you know, <laughs> uh, I do not hire somebody to tie my shoes. <laughs> but I can afford to. <laughs> um, I do not like to tie shoes. I do not like to wear socks. Okay. And that's because I find it time-consuming. And it takes away from you know things other things i could do but in terms of the 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 looks i prefer to wear lace up i don't like loafers but i'm known for wearing sandals you know a lot okay bill gates always said he wants the laziest people working for him because the laziest people will seek the path of least resistance lazy and smart that's right and not lazy and dumb okay well yeah lazy and smart go hand in hand just as much as dumb does but the smart is what we're referring to lazy and smart goes hand in hand because smart people will always look for shortcake shortcut the first law of thermodynamic is to seek a state of a lower energy level so the world actually runs that way so we're gearing up for MasterChef Canada season five Uh, I need to know a little bit I have a little game and then I'm gonna let you go basically we're gearing up for season five of MasterChef Canada I need to get a better understanding of who the pillars of Canadian cuisine are we of course have Claudio Aprile Michael Bonaccini and of course, you, Alvin Lung. But I need to know between you and Claudio and Michael Bacini, Michael Bonaccini, who's more likely to? So I'm going to ask you a question: Who's more likely to? And then you're going to answer with one of three of you. Okay. So I'll ask a question: Who's more likely to have a stiff drink after filming? Is it Claudio, Michael, or you? I think probably uh, Michael, because Claudio doesn't drink. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, Claudio doesn't. Uh, Claudio doesn't drink. Interesting. Uh, so surprising he's a chef who don't drink uh michael will definitely have a stiff drink after filming because i think it may really because i think you know people have stiff drink after filming because it, it, it i think it relaxes them but you know drinks don't relax me they actually do the exact opposite they tend to excite me so i'm definitely i like stiff drinks what's your favorite drink oh single malt whiskey there you I go <laughs> okay. which brand uh lagerfuhlen lefloid well, good stuff uh so michael Who's more likely to crack a joke during a tense part of filming? Me, definitely. (laughs) That's easy. (laughs) Who's more likely to grab a salt when at the restaurant? Go for the salt shaker. Go for the salt shaker. I think all three of us probably equal part in that. Um, I think all three of us equal part. Who's more likely to order a pizza for the crew? Me. Oh, yeah? Definitely. Uh, Who's more likely to cover the check at a group dinner? Me. Okay. Who's more likely to pull a prank on set? Oh, me. Definitely. (laughs) Come on. I know. You you custom making this? Come on. (laughs) Who's more likely to talk too much or never stop talking? Uh, Come on. You know who else? (laughs) Who's who's more likely to arrive late to set? Oh, come on. Who told you that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Who's more likely to enjoy getting their hair and makeup done? Um, Probably Claudio. Yeah? Yeah, Claudio. He's, He's always the best dressed. Yeah, probably Claudio. I think Claudio enjoys that probably more. <laughs> Who's the first to grab the first bite of food before anyone else? I would say probably, I would say either, I would say Claudio. 
I think it was a Claudio, because I tend to stand back and uh, look at, uh, I tend to stand back and observe, you know? Why do you want the first reaction when you can, you know, when you, why do you want to give the, give the first reaction? Why don't you, you know, why don't you get more information first before you, you know, get the first reaction? Interesting. Okay, but, you know, there's no, there's no, there is no, advantage of, of of tasting the food first there's no advantage so i'm always looking for an advantage right so uh um so most likely it would not be me who's more likely to order a salad at a restaurant uh michael michael tends to eat light uh who's more likely to leave the party early um uh, probably me Really? Yeah, probably be me. So who's I get bored easily. Ah, you're you're seeking excitement. No, always. it's not. It's not seeking excitement. I want to. I'm not seeking excitement. Don't get me wrong. I get bored recent. I bored. I get bored quickly, and my I may go home and watch Columbo yeah. episode. You know, season one, episode five for the ninety eight time. Okay, that's your excitement. That's what you okay. see. I just like to. You know. You know, uh, you know, to some, hey, that's the boring, boringest thing in the world. But for me, it gives me comfort. That's what I want to do. So whenever I want to do something, I will not stay in the party for the sake of, oh, I got to be the last guy to leave. Or, you know, I got to I got to drink until, you know, I'm I, I'm comatized and, you know, somebody has to drag me home. I'm usually the first guy to leave a party. It's all about managing your own expectations, Alvin. That's right. Just do what, you know, for me, I, I do whatever I want and only if it doesn't, uh, of course, you know, you want to offend anybody. You don't want to say, hey, you know, he's already the party pooper, okay? So if I'm the host and, you know, I'll kick them out or I'll go to bed and leave the, give them the, uh, open the fridge and get all the booze you want, but not the expenses. <laughs> Well, Alvin, thank you so much for your time. Can we plug your socials, your websites, anything, upcoming events, shows that you want to talk about real quick? Um, well, basically, you know, um, there's a lot of exciting things coming. And, you know, so um, it would be great, you know, to uh, I'm doing a dinner at R&D. Okay, this is my dinner because, you know, I do that once a year when I'm, uh, so this is the, sometime Michael does his dinner. So it's a forehand dinner. So it's me and me and Eric will be doing a dinner together. And that's on the 22nd and 23rd of November. So watch out for that one. Uh, other than that, you know, go leave, go. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much, Alvin Leong. You can check the Demon Chef out on Twitter at the Demon Chef. Check him out at R&D when he's in town or at Hong Kong Bow Innovation. I want to thank my guests. It is a true honor having you here today. Thank you for continually putting up with my father. Cigars are on me. I thank you so much for befriending myself, my dad, and just coming in and giving us your time. I want to thank the great Alvin Lung for coming on to another episode of Speaking Duck on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Thanks, Alvin. Well, Alex, it's, it's great to be here. We had a really good talk, and uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, it's always good to to sit and and say things. I probably forgot whatever I said, <laughs> but. It's always great to have company, and, and your father. Your father's a great, great guy. Okay, you know you should come to uh, one of these smokes. I will. I, you know what? He's he's been bugging me. I'm definitely going to come and, and bug you guys the next time you both there for a cigar. Yeah, bring your own cigar. Okay, you're not getting one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time on Speaking Duck.
Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 